native practice, it's non-discriminatory. So when we, towards ourselves and towards all beings, it's a total, totality. So when you're when you're practicing, reflecting on metta, then the discriminative mind, the critical, discerning mind, stops. You're not you're not uh, dwelling on differences or who's better, best, who's good, who's bad. There's this kind of thinking and dwelling on the the qualities and variations of qualities and their subtleties and coarseness and so forth are not we're not we're not giving paying attention to that. We're not giving it an importance at that moment. So the metta may all say um, may I abide in well being and a kind of total well being, not a, a sense of the of everything that you're with, everything around you. It's not a matter of whether you think you deserve to be happy or to be, uh, to feel good about yourself or to, uh, when you start analyzing from your critical mind, then you think, uh, am I worthy of, of happiness? Or, you know, if, if you've, Maybe you've done things that you regret, feel guilty about, and then you, you might even feel you aren't worthy because of the things you've done. We have a, sometimes a desire to be punished. We think we should be punished, reprimanded, or have to pay a price for the bad things we've done. And so we we can dwell on, if we dwell on the bad things, on the mistakes, errors, then we uh, we become critical. We be, we start going toward the negative side. So metta, may I be happy, may I be well, may I be free from suffering, may I be free from sorrow. Metta also is an attitude of mind, of acceptance and patience. So when, when we talk about all sentient beings, say, may all beings be happy, or to be, may all beings abide in well-being, may they be well, may they be free from suffering. <coughs> now what is a being? And so we tend to think in the coarse way of, of like a human being or an animal or um, we can think of uh, all the people in Asia and Africa, Europe and so forth, or the beings seen and unseen such as uh, devas and brahmas or demons, uh, hungry ghosts, all possibilities in the cosmology of uh, from 
miserable, totally miserable and wretched beings to most ethereal celestial ones. But let's, when we, when we practice meditation, I always found it very helpful to, to look at the beings that, that we uh, tend to be associated with, such as our thoughts and feelings. The, the very thoughts and feelings that you have. Good and bad, high and low, intelligent and stupid, lovable or hateful, whatever, whatever their quality, because the being is, is a condition, whether it's an animal or a human being or a devada or a, an angel or a demon, they are, beings are anything that is a being. It, you can always apply the anicca dukkha nata reflection to impermanent, unsatisfactory, and not self. So, in reflecting on the beings that you find yourself with uh, as uh, things that influence and affect you and make you happy or sad or elated or depressed then have metta for all of those beings, for the, the thoughts, the feelings, the habit tendencies, the, the, uh, the body itself, uh, its sensations of pleasure and pain, the emotions of uh, being high, uh, neutral or low, elated or depressed, the memories, good, bad, happy, unhappy memories, the neutral feelings, the, the breath, the sound of silence, the, the, uh, just the ordinary uh, sensations that have neither, that are not particularly one extreme or the other. So this, this metta is first, say, to develop metta toward the beings that we actually are experiencing, the ones that are influencing and, uh, and affecting our experience at this moment, such as the body, uh, the emotions, love and hate, uh, greed, lust, anger, rage, indignation, bitterness, cynicism, resentment, jealousy, envy, fear, anxiety, worry, doubt, uncertainty, insecurity, all things, all that have a quality of some sort. And, and the quality can, you know, is, is this range from the best to the worst, good to bad, high to low, uh, the dualism. So, in putting yourself in the position of spreading metta, of having metta, then, then I found it very helpful to, to start, we always start in the metta practice with, one, with ourselves, is it, may I be well.
So you become used to, to having a, 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 a good will and patience and acceptance of, of everything that you're experiencing. That doesn't mean you're not dwelling on it in a critical way. You're not analyzing it or condemning or exalting anything. You're not, you're not measuring how one thing is better than another. You're, you're being patient with the good, the bad, the pleasure, the pain, the confusion, the clarity. So this is, this is unitive, it's, it's non-discriminatory. It has not, it, we're not, it's not a matter of liking or approving. It's not that we approve of bad things or that we're just dismissing them and saying they're all good. Is it? We're not, it's, uh, that would be a really stupid thing to do to say bad is good and evil is, is virtue and all that kind of, that's, that's ridiculous. So it's not, it's not a kind of trying to paint everything in a, with a pretty color and say, say everything is wonderful and everything is beautiful. But it is non-aversion, non-discriminatory. So when you uh, practice metta, you've, you, the result is this sense of well-being and kindness, compassion towards other, towards patience and uh, <coughs> non-aversion to yourself and also to be patient and non-averse and accepting of the foibles and faults and idiosyncrasies and all that of the people we have to live with in the society we live in. In England, when, um, when Mrs. Thatcher was the Prime Minister, I used to, we used to, I used to have all the people uh, sh have metta for Mrs. Thatcher and to share the blessings of their practice with her. And it's interesting to see the reaction because a lot of people had very strong aversions to her sense of, I'm not practicing for her. <laughs> I'm not sitting here developing meditation so, so that she can stay in power. <laughs> so the, that's not the point, is it? Then, look, I mean, she's, she's a, the prime minister and she has to make decisions that are going to affect us all. So we've got to help her. We've got to try to send her loving kindness every day so that, that these good forces will influence her and she'll make good decisions for her benefit and ours. Never thought of it like that. With President Bush, the same applies, isn't it? To, to spread metta, to dedicate the the, the blessings of our practice, the goodness of our life for his welfare so that he will 
more and more have the benevolent and wise uh, influence, uh, conditions influencing his mind so that he will make the right decisions. Not a matter of approving or liking or, or thinking that uh, it's not, not thinking that we're supporting uh, the Republican Party or the, or the or that we are uh, politically uh, uh, approving of the political side. But this is just being a decent kind of human being is where we, we can at least live and practice in a way uh, that our presence in this society is, is not causing it unnecessary misery and problems and also that the, the goodness of our lives be a blessing to others. And, and, and not only to the poor and the needy and the homeless, who sometimes we can feel sorry for and, and be concerned with, but also for the privileged, the people with, in the positions of power, the successful, because they have tremendous influence and power to, to uh, make things pleasant, unpleasant for the population of this country. Metta for, for the pain in your body. It's, pain is a kind of being, isn't it? It's a quality. It means being patient and accepting it for the way it is, for exactly what it is. Not trying, not asking it to be something it, it isn't. The, the nagging tyrant to say, uh, I'd like you a lot better if you were more this way or less that way. When we talk about the, the kind of relentless tyranny, the kind of things that, you know, well, you made a mess of that. You certainly didn't do that very well. Look at you now. You're, you're not really, you're not really trying hard enough. You're just, uh, you know, you never did things very well anyway, and you shouldn't think like that, and you shouldn't be like that. And you should have done something else. And these are the, this, 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 this kind of complaining, uh, nagging, uh, whining, blaming, tendency of the human heart, you see, is, uh, is, uh, it comes from not developing metta practice in our lives. I don't like this, I don't like that. And we, we, and we do it to ourselves, we do it to the people around us. Complain about the, our, the people we live with, the people we love, the neighbors, the country, the world. So we say in, in the West, when we develop this, this critical mind, discerning mind, and we become obsessed with, with it. It takes us over. Endless kind of nagging complaints, blaming of other people blaming ourselves. 
So this, this can be remedied through metta. Remember, goodness and love unite. Anger and hatred separate. When we love each other, then we're one. When, we, when we're angry and critical, then we're two and many. The emphasis on me and you. The emphasis on what I think and what you think, what I think of you, what you think of me, and, and the, all the, the little things that we can pick on, of what I don't like about you. what you don't like about me. And then we're, we're two, aren't we? This, is a, uh, this causes division, separation. So that, that this, this is a function of our mind, the critical faculty, the discerning function to be able to, to see, uh, to be able to compare and compete is one function of mind. But when it takes over and becomes obsessive, then we become miserable and negative and, and our lives have that quality of kind of depressing dreariness and, and uh, <coughs> complaining, whining, uh, quality that, that can hang over everything that we're doing, that can influence even the even the most pleasant situations can be tainted and be destroyed through this endless criticism, complaining of the mind. So metta is, isn't blind to what's wrong or the badness. It isn't, it's not, not it's, it isn't not uh, being aware uh, of the, of the pain or the misery or the evil or the bad, but it's, it's non-aversion to it. It's like the pain in your body. If you're aware of it with, a, with an attitude of metta, then you're not averse to it. You're not dwelling in aversion. You're still aware of the, of the sensation. It's still what it is, but you're not being caught up with hating it and wanting to get rid of it. So we, we bear it with, with metta, patience, uh, acceptance of what it is without saying, I don't want you to be the way you are. I don't like you the way you are. I want you to be another way. I think in any community or family, there's always this, the, you know, one, say in a monastic community, there's a strong desire for harmony. <clears throat> and so we all most dread disharmony. We want, would like to all live together in this kind of, with this metta, ideal of metta, of, of kindness and acceptance and harmony. And the idea oftentimes is that everything is pleasant and nice and harmonious. 
and then everybody kind of fits in and does the work and doesn't complain and everybody kind of it takes responsibility for themselves and pitches in and isn't a, isn't a weight or a drag on the community or isn't disruptive or fits in and, and this ideal of this utopian commune where, where everyone is what they should be. But in, in communal life, it's, uh, even though there are moments where that, that kind of harmony uh, is present, we also have to learn how to be accepting of disharmony and not be averse or threatened or, or angered by disruptions, uh, threats to the community, uh, people that don't fit into it or people that we find uh, threatening or irritating to us people that don't pull their own weight in the community you have to carry along with you. The oddball, the, the one that never quite gets there on time. The one that doesn't, doesn't seem to ever quite get the point of anything. Everybody's rowing the boat, but that one's dragging his, his feet off the back of the boat while everybody else is doing the work. And so as though that, this, that we can feel uh, in community life, you have to watch a lot of kind of anger and resentment or intimidation. There's, there's some people that are really good at everything. There's always those bhikkhus and nuns that are just really efficient and do everything well. And uh, they're all, they always, uh, they, they always, uh, you know, they, they always seem to, to be happy or very positive or they always seem to have the party line down 100%. They're never caught in, in a kind of doubt or uncertainty. And, they're always saying, oh, Amravati is, uh, is the best, is wonderful, you know. And Ajahn Sameja is a very inspiring teacher. <laughs> love him continuously. And, and we're so fortunate. And I'm so grateful. And it's so wonderful. And we must all pitch in and do the work. And they're these kind of people that drive uh, other kinds of people crazy. <laughs> So this is, with this, say, all levels of in a community, then the, the metta is what unites it. Even a disharmony is, is accepted with metta. The disruption, the, the intimidation, the jealousies. There's a lot of jealousies in community life. It brings up jealousy, because you have to, you're, you're living, people compare, they, people prefer this monk over that one, or they, people pray, they say, oh, I really like so-and-so, his, uh, his talks are so 
wonderful and uh, they're much better than yours. <laughs> and you, feel, you suddenly feel a sense of a kind of feeling arise in your mind. <laughs> one woman went uh, to one of the monks. Uh, she's very attached to, in England, she's a woman very attached to, to a certain bhikkhu and think he's, he's just the, the wisest, most wonderful, uh, inspiring monk that there could ever be. So she went to another one of the branch monasteries and went to the head monk there and she was talking with him and she says, you're not like uh, that monk uh, so-and-so. He said, well, what, what do you mean? And she, he said, well, he's so, he's so truly spiritual and very inspiring. <laughs> so we can, you know, you can feel if somebody uh, like the uh, one monk in the community uh, gets jealous of everything because he, he thinks every monk can do, gets, is more appreciated or more uh, gifted or capable than he is. And so almost everything arouses this sense of, of jealousy. And that can be very unpleasant, you know, in a community to have people caught up in jealousy. But yet, to go around telling them they shouldn't be jealous. I mean, they know they shouldn't be jealous. You don't have to tell them. But, but uh, we can be, with the metta, then we can accept that and not think, not go around feeling, uh, kind of nagging them, saying stop being jealous, but to be patient and not be, not be someone who is always telling somebody to to not be the way they are, to be patient. And, and in that patience and dedicating the, the blessings of our life to the welfare of all beings, then, then more and more we, we're not creating the conditions that, that fuel those uh, unpleasant and painful states of mind in ourselves and in others. But to have metta for, say, your own jealousy doesn't mean that you're, you're, you're saying that being jealous is okay. But it means you're not hating yourself for feeling that emotion. It's non-aversion to the aversion. Because then we get very complicated because oftentimes we hate ourselves for hating ourselves. Or we hate ourselves for, for feeling anger or hate ourselves for being jealous or hate ourselves for not being what we know we should be. And this is kind of, this is the discerning faculty, the critical faculty that takes over the mind. And it's relentless. It just goes on and on and on. I, I have a very strong critical faculty, so it, and I realized years ago, I thought, 
even if I should be the most successful person in the whole world, if I should get all the awards that any human being could ever, ever get, and everybody on planet Earth uh, loved me and said I was the, the best person alive, and they never could imagine anyone better than I am. And, and uh, I had the best health and, was, and didn't have any pain or diseases or anything like that. If I had all the best of the best, but I hadn't really developed metta, I still would be thinking, uh, I'd still be critical. I'd say, well, you know, the mind would still be conditioned to think that the best is not good enough. Or that, that even, you know, the total, uh, every, every, you know, total acceptance by everybody in the world, but I had still not developed the metta practice. I'd still be creating, uh, I'd still be critical of myself. I'd still be dwelling on, you shouldn't have said that. You should have, you should have done it better. Uh, you, you shouldn't have uh, looked like that. Or you should <laughs> the mind uh, towards oneself, I find it is very, uh, very critical, more critical than towards others. I've reflected many a time that, that, there's, that nobody in the world has ever been as relentlessly critical or unkind to me as I have been. Nobody has ever said the awful things to me that I say, that I can say. <laughs> so that, that's why metta has to, to start with yourself, to, to, even though sometimes, because it is easier to have metta for others. At least I find it's to have metta for the billion Chinese that are not here, or for the starving people in Ethiopia or Sudan, or for the uh, whales and the dolphins. Easy to have metta for dolphins, no problem. For the cat, for Pupsi, no problem. <laughs> Easy. When it gets closer to the monks and nuns, sometimes it's more difficult. Because one, one oftentimes, when you're affected, uh, other human beings are intimidating and threatening to us. So it, they arouse our critical faculties. Pupsi is not threatening. In England, you see a lot of British people expressing their love and affection to the cats and the dogs. The national character is kind of being very kind of unemotional and unexpressive about how they're feeling, even towards the children. But they can really go kind of gooey and soppy over a cat or a dog because they. The, the 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 dog and cat are are on are not threatening, isn't it? Human beings are, are very threatening creatures. Because they can they can reject us, can't they? Where 
you feed the cat and the dog and you give them lots of love and they, they're, they're always hovering around and you have control over them. You can, you can incarcerate them. <laughs> and there's a woman in London. The, when we lived in London, she was absolutely petrified of human beings. But she had in her flat in London, she had all kinds of cats and birds. And she had a flat that we had to climb three stories to get to, the, to, the, to it. Uh, there was no lift, uh, elevator, and then, then she uh, had these uh, cats and these birds imprisoned in her flat. <laughs> Wouldn't let them out either. Fed them things. And then one day, when Ajahn Chah was coming to England in 1979, Ajahn Anando said, uh, invited, why don't you come with us to the airport to greet uh, Tanajan Chah? And she said, oh, I can't, Bhante. I can't do it. Said, Why is that? Well, the plane at that time, it's, it's the time that I have to give my, my cat his uh, daily shrimp. <laughs> and so, <laughs> <laughs> this was, and Arjun Anando came back looking totally dismayed. He said, I can't believe <laughs> that she <laughs> that she would refuse to go to the airport. <laughs> and they had to keep to the schedule. The, the, the cat had to have his shrimp at that certain time. But the woman was frightened of human beings and lived in a world uh, that she could control and dominate with her affection and her food and shrimp and all that. Because human beings are frightening, aren't they? They, 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 have, they can hurt us so much, other human beings, and we can hurt each other. We can be so upset, so offended, so utterly depressed just by one kind of cold, heartless statement. We're so easily offended, feeling so easily hurt. So that this, uh, this is why we, we find, say, the people we live with, the people that surround us, sometimes it's more difficult to have metta than, say, for all the people who live far away and we don't know and are no threat to us. So that's why, starting with oneself, with the way one is, with the, with the faults and, and uh, unpleasant, unfortunate qualities, tendencies, habits we might have. Say, to, to move away from the obsession uh, and tendency to be obsessed with, with what's wrong with everything in ourselves, then this metta practice. Is, uh, is being patient, accepting, and uh, I mean a kind, friendly attitude towards all conditions, all beings. Then when there is this, the, the metta practice has its effect, then there's a sense of well-being, 
of being well, being calm. Your mind isn't isn't plagued with the, isn't obsessed anymore with the uh, endless uh, kind of uh, feelings of things aren't right or they should be some other way, or or feelings of anxiety and worry because things maybe maybe things are are disharmonious or are not very nice at this time. Maybe things are, maybe it's all going wrong. Maybe it's all falling apart. But we can still be patient and accepting of that. Things have their cycles. They come together and then they fall apart. And in the monastic life, this Ajahn Chah is very good at pointing it, getting us to where, where, where my tendency is to try to control and hold everything together when it starts falling apart, to run around in a panic trying to hold it all together and, and worry about it, he would say, it changes. What, you know, it comes together and then it separates. And then there's harmony, there's disharmony, then there's going to be disharmony. Things change. These cycles are just the way it is. And so when you're patient, then you, you, you can, um, you can bear with the, the way things change and the, the cycles of the, of, this, of the conditioned realm without being, uh, you know, if we, if we aren't that way, then we're always uh, feeling threatened or disappointed when we can no longer control or keep the harmony or the romance or the, or the beauty or the, the goodness of something in a kind of that fix it into a kind of paralysis. We have to allow that what is beautiful to decay. Have to allow disharmony to to disappear. Have to allow uh, things to change uh, in ways that maybe we don't want them to. We don't like that the way they're going, but but we can at least be patient and learn and, and receptive to the changing nature of things. That doesn't mean we don't do anything. We just kind of passively sit in a kind of fatalism. That's not it. It's not, not being fatalistic, but it is being able to, to know what you can and do and, 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 that not, and what you cannot do. If we can do something to bring harmony to this community, if we can help it along and, and, uh, and, and uh, bring uh, good things to it and, and encouragement and that, then we do that. We do the good and we do the good that we can do. But much of our life is going to be being patient with conditions that we have no control over and that are going in a way that we may not particularly like. But we still can not be averse, angry and embittered by the way things change. And that takes patience, doesn't it? Patience, endurance, metta, 